A recent Kiplinger Athene poll is shedding light on the latest data regarding the financial concerns of retirees and pre-retirees in the wake of the recent market volatility, inflation, and fears of a potential recession. The data seems to point to a glaring concern of what constitutes a secure retirement. Welcome in to Your Retirement with Sam Welcome once again to Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton, sitting in for Dual Financial Strategies along with Sam Dual and Andy Schooler as Luke Manobel is on assignment. And uh, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Kiplinger survey that was conducted in June of this year, Sam. And it asked uh, about uh, 800 Americans their thoughts on retirement. So let's dig into these numbers here. But again, when we talk about the Kiplinger survey, uh, we are talking people who subscribe to that magazine, so I, I don't know about the uh, accuracy of this and how it reflects to the uh, general uh, uh, population, but uh, what about retirees on their outlook on the financial future? Because it seems so muddled right now. Yeah, it, it really is, and it's. I think it really depends upon what your sources of information are and you know where, where you're at in the, the socioeconomic world and things like that. But yes, Kiplingers would tend to probably be an audience that uh, is probably going to poll higher in uh, confidence and comfort financially than uh, maybe some other areas would. But basically, on this survey, 70% uh, of the people that were surveyed, they expect to have enough money to live comfortably. So that's, you know, that's, that's good. You'd love for that to be much higher than that, but 70% in times like this uh, isn't bad. And 66% of those people are confident that they will not run out of money in retirement. And of course, running out of money in retirement, that is uh, and has been for quite some time now the number one fear uh, that most people going into retirement have. Absolutely. So Andy, on the other hand, pre-retirees are less confident apparently in the financial future in retirement with less than 55% of these respondents uh, confident that they will not return that they will not run out of money at some point, and there are some concerns here, starting with the stock market and its volatility, right? Well, and that's legitimate. I mean, look around. <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of lack of there's a lot of lack of confidence going on, and and with good reason. Forty nine percent of retirees responded said having some concerns about stock market volatility potentially creating serious economic troubles. We don't have to go back in history that far, and and it's. History is great at repeating itself. Um, you know, 2008 was not a um, a minor event, and there's plenty of these people that I think were affected at that point in time, though they were 10 years plus away from retirement. So you go, okay, well, and it and it did come back, right? I mean, the government waved their magical wand and printed a whole bunch of money and we went through quantitative easing one two and three and we're back to printing more money and guess what stock market's all volatile again it's all grumpy and i think that that's i think that that's a very real concern is um the lack of sort of common sense going on so i think it is valid absolutely and again 64 percent of pre-retirees to uh get to your point uh, very succinctly uh, that they uh, have probably gone through this and they were pre-retirees at that time in 08. And uh, yep. it's, uh, again, one of those things that uh, confidence is is uh, half the battle. So what about acting on market volatility, Sam? Uh, what's the uh, survey say about that? Well, about 68% of the retirees that were surveys, they reported that they're waiting and that they're not making changes in response to the volatility that's there. Uh, and 60% of pre-retirees said the same thing, which, you know, you, I, I can't disagree with, with that area. It's like, 
unfortunately in times like this because we've had this sustained uh length of time that it's not been good that it's not been positive and unfortunately when you get that uh a lot of times people just want to do something like somehow uh just some type of action makes things better and sometimes the best thing to do is nothing and it's very very difficult when things are like this or if you're anxious and concerned it's very hard to do nothing absolutely all right we talk about uh, the income that comes from the government from what you paid in in social security taxes uh, with the uh, this consideration andy so let's talk about uh, how retirees feel about their social security and their confidence that uh, it's gonna get them through retirement each month well, 83% of retirees reported that they've already claimed Social Security benefits. So the, the meaning for claiming age of claiming Social Security benefits was age 63. So if the mean age of claiming that at 63, because most people have started sooner, it used to be people didn't start claiming Social Security until they stopped working, which most of them stayed until they were 65. And so they didn't turn Social Security on until that point. So now people are starting to tap into Social Security benefits at earlier and earlier ages. And um, that creates some concern for people. And then, you know, the news reports what they report and how they report it and and the way they can spin those words. 43% of the aforementioned respondents of the survey explained that Social Security provided 50% or more of their annual retirement income. That's significant when you consider what's the average payout for Social Security. Um, if that's 50% of your income, then, you know, the rest of it's got to come from retirement monies, 401k or old 401ks, 403bs, 457s, or savings. Um, and if you're lucky enough to have a pension, which is a thing from the past, you know, I, I hope people do, but from a standpoint of uh, 50% of your income from Social Security is quite a bit. Absolutely. So there's, uh, like you say, Andy, there's other places. Uh, you've got maybe people have pensions. Uh, maybe uh, what about income from bonds? I mean, those things have really been uh, destroyed, uh, basically. So some of these other areas that people could tap from to, to gain yes. confidence. And and nothing really works the way it used to work. And I think that's because of all the meddling that's gone into trying to create this, that, and the other response to um, what's been going on in the market. And it's like they haven't left the market alone to just be the market. And they they keep printing more money. It's constant manipulation. It's totally manipulation. And so, I mean... You know, I when I look back at 2008 and I go, okay, well, when 2013 or 12 came and the market was almost as high as it was when it dropped in 2008, I, I was like, well, surely it can't go above that. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, manipulation continues. Well, we're talking to Sam and Andy about, uh, well, the uh, Kempliker uh, Athene study about, uh, well, retiree confidence and pre-retiree confidence uh, when it comes to the, uh, the facts that uh, are they going to have money uh, to have uh, in abundance in retirement so they don't have to worry. So, Sam, another question was, uh, which of the following things would you worry about less uh, if uh, more of your retirement income were guaranteed. And uh, the number one thing was, uh, uh, again, that fear of running out of money, right? Yep, yep. 50% of the people that were retired um, <clears throat> would would have less fear. Uh, and interestingly enough, 64% of the people that were not retired uh, were looking at that and saying, well, if I had a guaranteed uh, source of income, <clears throat> then that would, that would be more... Uh, 
that would be more palatable for me. And I think this is coming uh, a lot of the times, Chuck, from the fact that, as Andy said before, uh, these company pension plans are a thing of the past. They don't exist. Well, that was the beyond social security that was the guaranteed income source for people for years and years so folks in these days if you want a guaranteed income source there are a lot of options to get you a guaranteed paycheck in retirement but you're going to have to pursue that with your advisor uh, because the companies are not going to offer it it's not something that's just going to magically appear and it's not something that exists within 401k and qualified employer plans anymore you're going to have to go out and design that uh, with a good advisor that knows how to design guaranteed income absolutely so again there's that fear of covering basic living expenses too right sam i mean how about the, the retired and the non-retired what percentage of people uh, are concerned with uh, just covering the basic monthly expenses you know, kind of the same scenario there. It's interesting that retired people, 43% of them were concerned about uh, covering basic living expenses, while non-retired people, 52% of them were concerned. So there's obviously, from what we're seeing in these numbers, there's more, uh, you know, there's more consternation and there's more concern with pre-retirees today than there is with retirees. Kiplinger Athene survey and Andy uh, the next question was uh, are people concerned that inflation could cause serious economic hardship for you in retirement I guess that's an understatement or an under question I suppose yes um, from a standpoint of the retiree people said yes 64% of them said yes 20% said no 16% said not sure but of the not retired yet 77% said yes 13% said no, and 9% said unsure. So bottom line, both people, the greatest percentage of both surveyed said that they are concerned and worried about how inflation will impact them. And, you know, you have to look at what do they spend their money on? You know, cost of just um, goods and services, fuel and food is playing a much bigger role in everybody's cost day to day. Energy is another thing. So um, it used to be that uh, sometimes retirees weren't as impacted by inflation simply because they're not out there buying stuff as much. Um, but now I think it is valid to be concerned about that. Well, again, inflation is a major concern, as Andy just said, for most of us. But Ed Yardeni, who is the president of Yardeni Research, tells MarketWatch that things, at least in his opinion, seem to be trending in the right direction. I think we're going to be surprised how inflation uh, comes down. You know, we've had a pretty dramatic drop in the price of gasoline. Came down a lot in July, came down uh, further in August. We also saw used car prices coming down. And as strange as it seems, it's, uh, that was a big source of inflation in the CPI measures. Uh, all in all, I think we're going to see inflation moderating all by itself. Isn't it funny, Sam, how we go to the new normal? Everybody thinks, oh, gas prices are coming down. No, they're yeah. still higher than they were a year ago. So, yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Oh, they're higher than they're higher than most people can ever remember in their lifetimes, actually, if you think about it. Oh, but they're coming down, and they yeah, did come and, and, down. No, they didn't. They, they skyrocketed, and they came down maybe three-quarters of the way. Yeah, yeah, they came yeah. off it. It's almost like saying, you know, your broken leg hurts less than it did yesterday. <laughs> Day, but while it's still broken, you still need to fix this broken leg. Absolutely. Uh, and the problem we're having is that uh, no one is addressing the real cause of this. We're still trying to apply Band-Aids. The Federal Reserve is trying to manipulate it with interest rates. And unfortunately, in these types of situations, uh, this is entirely self-induced. This is induced by uh, the politicians. This mm -hmm. is induced by the uh, lack of um, the lack of, of uh, oversight. Uh, from the Federal Reserve. There are a lot of things that have brought us to this point, and 
you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to uh, to Mr. Yardini, but I believe he may be uh, I believe he may be somewhat optimistic and uh, maybe mildly deluded uh, about uh, thinking that this is all just going to go away and it's all just going to be fine without uh, suffering some more pain. Absolutely. I'm not sure which planet he's living on. No, he's got you know those glasses uh, have got to be uh, colored a little bit uh, darker than rose colored. So yeah. anyway, uh, you've got a plan for people that despite all of these economic turmoils. Well, you just kind of have to face these things and you have to realize that what's happening is real. And, uh, you know, there is no quick fix. There is no magic pill. There is no, uh, you know, there is no manna that's going to just drop from heaven and make this okay for you. You need to be working on a plan. And that's why we need to get together and talk is to see where are you at now? Where do you want to go? How do we get you there? 866-203-7486. That's uh, 866-203-7486. And it's all about your retirement. Now, we didn't talk a little bit about uh, how much you should withdraw, but that's what we're going to explore next, right, Sam? Yeah, we sure are, Chuck. So the question is just what is a safe withdrawal rate of your retirement dollars? And it depends. It depends on how much you saved, on what the rate of inflation is, along with that coupled with interest rates, uh, what's the stock market doing, and more. And it could change over the course of your retirement. So details on that when we come right back. We're back on your retirement. I'm Chuck Caton, along with Sam Dool and Andy Schooner this week from Dual Financial Strategies, where uh, they can give you that no-cost, no-obligation retirement lifestyle review. And, of course, when you come in for that, uh, Sam has written a book. It's in its second printing right now called Purpose Determines Placement. And, uh, well, there's several factors, as we said before, that determine uh, what your safe withdrawal rate is. And maybe you don't know what that safe withdrawal rate is uh, on your retirement nesting. So let's start with a definition of what it is. What what is a safe withdrawal rate, Sam? Well, as far as the definition is concerned, that just is the number or the percentage that represents the maximum percentage of retirement funds that you could take from your investment portfolio on an annual basis without depleting the investment account too soon. So once you've determined what your safe withdrawal rate is, then the retiree can go ahead and they can plan a reliable household budget for that retirement because that could stretch 30 years or more. So withdrawal rate is the is the industry term that we hear all the time. Chuck, when, when people hear us on the radio and they come in and visit with us, we typically call this your retirement lifestyle gap. What is the gap between how much guaranteed income you have coming in the front door every month and how much you need to live on? That gap, whatever it is, will be some percentage of your investment portfolio, and that's the number that we have to make sure is correct. And uh, that's why it's uh, always good to practice a little bit a year or two before retirement on what your expenses are and seeing it uh, when you're making the money and uh, uh, needing knowing what you need in retirement, maybe cutting debt and that type of thing. So Andy, uh, there are lots of different uh, theories on uh, how to calculate a safe withdrawal rate, like the old 4% rule. Maybe you can explain some of the things that uh, may or may not hold true in this inflationary environment. Well, the 4% rule has been around for a very long time. And I can't say that that's necessarily a um, sustainable withdrawal amount. So we have to take a look at the old rules versus I think where we are today. So yeah. the 
I think the old mantra was, oh, just go 60, 40 blend in your stock market, you know, 60% stocks, 40%. There's the age of, or the rule of 100 and, you know, take your age away from 100. You shouldn't have any more of that in stocks. Um, The challenging thing today, I believe, is that those are really buy and hold models a long time ago. And frankly, mutual funds often are held as a buy and hold model, and that may not be what you need to do any longer. And most people, as they get closer and closer to retirement, we hear this all the time, um, say something to the extent of, well, the person that I was working with, I just don't feel like we're as, as good of a fit, or we just seem to be speaking different languages. And that person that got you to retirement, who specialized in a growth and accumulation, isn't necessarily focused on how to get you through retirement, which is a very different animal. So then we have to look at, like what Sam was saying, how much income do you have coming in through the front door? What is your income gap on the backside? Is there one? So how do we solve that problem? Is it 2%, 3%? You know, we've had people come into us with really unsustainable um, withdrawal rates that are somewhere eight to ten percent rate, and that cannot sustain at all. But do you need to take four percent? Maybe you really only need. Maybe your income gap says you only need to take one or two percent or two point five percent, and you know you're taking out more, which would then subject you to needing to make more in the market or make money someplace else to sustain that. So if you don't need to put that much pressure on your accounts, maybe you shouldn't do that. An easy rule though would be look at, do your budget, start with that, figure out how much money you need to live pre-retirement or post-retirement is there any major debts that are hanging out there that are going to go away is there health care challenges that you have to sort out and figure out make sure that you're keeping track of that if you haven't retired and and or one of you out of your you know husband and wife team is going to retire first try living on one income before you actually get there see how how well you can do with that before you start actually into that next phase um so you could take some time and break that down and figure out what you need. But that's essentially the the basis of it is, is what is your income gap? How much pressure do you need to put on your retirement monies? And is that truly sustainable? Maybe you need to work a little bit longer. I know that's not always a fun answer to think about, but maybe you can get a part-time job or a full-time job doing something that you actually enjoy doing um, as opposed to what you've been doing. So there are options that are out there. Just be willing to look at them. Absolutely. And again, when we look at it from a nest egg of $100,000, Let's say uh, that means at the four percent rule, you would take out four grand. But if there's three percent inflation, you'd have to take out forty one hundred and twenty bucks. If there was the two percent inflation, forty two hundred and two dollars. But uh, we're talking about eight percent inflation now. So some of these rules uh, have to go out the window, don't they? Sam? And you're also, and you're also not talking about and you're also not talking about taxes. Yeah, applied in there. absolutely. So all right, Sam, what's the pros and cons of uh, a safe withdrawal strategy? What would you uh, say to that? Well, part of it is just what Andy just illustrated. It, when you start out with this withdrawal strategy, whatever the number is, that may not be the number forever. Mm-hmm. We may find that you don't need that much, which you can change it. Uh, you might find that you need more, which then we have to kind of reevaluate. Uh, so you just don't know where it's going to be. The, the The advantage to it is that it's pretty simple. It's It's a very simple thing for you to basically wrap your head around. I need X amount of dollars per month in order to sustain my lifestyle. Um, The downside is that 
different people can have a different definition of what a safe withdrawal rate is. As Andy said, you can't get too high a withdrawal rate or you're going to run into trouble. You could run out of money. Now, I say that to also say this. Sometimes, depending upon the size of your retirement account, if you need to take what would be considered higher than normal withdrawals in the early years, then that can be understandable and that can be sustainable because we've got time on our side. But the problem with doing that, folks, is that if you start out for whatever your reasons are with a higher than normal withdrawal rate, you get used to it. And then all of a sudden, you get down the road a couple of two or three years and it's time to back off. It's time to, to pull back to within the parameters of what we want to have for a long range plan. And now you've gotten used to that extra income and it's going to be a problem for you. So we do recommend when you start out your retirement, whatever the income is, let's calculate it. Let's get it as accurate as we can. And let's stick with that. Let's not pad that number because you will get used to padding. It's no different than when you were working. If you didn't put the $100 away into the 401k, you spent it. And then you got used to spending the $100. And then you convinced yourself that you couldn't possibly save it. Where on the other hand, if you didn't take it to begin with, if you just put it directly into the plan, you very quickly got used to the fact that you didn't have that hundred. So use that type of a rule for your retirement withdrawals. Absolutely. And that's where they come in to help you with this too, because you're working, uh, basically you're paying yourself in retirement. So uh, listen to what Sam and Andy have to say at 866-203-7486. You can get at no cost, no obligation appointment with them to talk about all of this because Andy, uh, it's all about what retirement withdrawal rates mean to you, not to anybody else. What's right for you? And that's why this show is called Your Retirement. Well, as I've always said, people are like snowflakes. Everybody's different. So we don't know what your needs are. We don't know what your um, income gap is. We don't know if you have an income gap or if that's a concern. So again, the, the total picture that you have to look at starts with how much money do you have coming in the front door and what are your expenses and how that's going to look. Again, is there any healthcare challenges that we need to take into consideration? Um, ladies, you are likely to live longer than your husband. So what's going to change monetarily if that situation happens and he passes first? Is there income that you're going to lose? Are you, if there's a pension, how are you taking that pension or how is that pension um, established? And, and are you going to continue to get a payment from that or does that end with if he was to pass? We've seen that before and that can be very dramatic in your income stream. So just be conscious that if things change, that that you have someone on your team that has a plan established so that no matter what happens, we've looked at income for both people. We've looked at income for one of you. It, it is very, very, very important that we address all of those situations going into retirement. Is health care needed? Is long-term care needed? Um, these are concerns that you have to take into account as you move through into retirement world. Like That's why the growth and accumulation people, they focus on a growth and accumulation. We do retirement. Absolutely. So Sam, what should people do? Well, the biggest favor you can do for yourself from the get-go is to sit down and take a look at what your spending habits are. You need to develop your spending plan and what your 
post-retirement spending plan is going to look like before you start going into what type of investments are you going to have, all of those sorts of things. The first thing you have to determine is your financial needs. So take some time, do a deep dive into that, sit down together, and really, really have a serious discussion. If you still have a mortgage, if you still have any sort of larger payments, when will that be done? Maybe that's where I said, maybe we need to start out with a little higher withdrawal rate, and then we can phase out of that as your bills come down. Take the time, do the homework, figure out how much money you're going to need, and then when you come in and visit with us, it makes it easier and makes it much more efficient for us as a team to figure out where does the money come from. Absolutely, and that means that uh, you should give them a call at 866-203-7486. That's Dual Financial Strategies and the Retirement Lifestyle Review. With over 20 years of experience, Sam, Andy, and Luke can help you uh, as uh, you go to and through retirement. 866-203-7486, and uh, it's a review that uh, will tell you where you want to be, where you're going, and if you're on the right track. What's coming up in the next segment, Sam? It's easy to forget that all of that money that you save in your 401k or your IRA is going to be taxed on the way out of the account when you spend it. A lot of that is thanks to the required minimum distributions. So when we come back, we're going to talk about required minimum distribution mistakes to avoid. Back on your retirement, I'm Chuck Caton, along with Sam Dool, Andy Schooler of Dool Financial Strategies, and it's all about your retirement, and it's not about Ronald McDonald. The RMD, in this case, uh, stands for uh, Required Minimum Distribution. So after saving uh, for years in your IRA, 401k, or other tax-deferred retirement plans, you eventually... Uh, you know you have a partner. We've talked about it before. It's named Uncle Sam. They have to take that money out and pay taxes on it. So Sam taking an RMD at the wrong time uh, could be catastrophic. Yes. So the current rules as they stand today are that you must start taking your required minimum distributions after you turn age 72. It's been that way since 2019. So if your birthday falls within January through June, you'll turn 72 in the same year as your 72nd birthday. If your birthday is in July through December, then you won't turn 72 until the next calendar year. So you generally have to take your required minimum distribution by December 31st each year. However, you can delay taking your first required minimum distribution until April 1st of the year after you turn 72. But if you do that, you'll also have to take your next year's required minimum distribution by December 31st of that year as well. You know, real confusing, isn't it, uh, all it of these be, uh, yes. rules? Because I'm kind of kind of coming up on it in the next uh, maybe calendar year or so. So uh, uh, it's always one of those educational processes that I know a lot of our listeners have to have uh, uh, and need with your tutelage. So remember to always call Dual Financial Strategies at 866-203-7486 uh, because we're talking about required minimum distributions. You can't fool around with the government here. And I guess, uh, Andy, not realizing the extra cost of delaying your first RMD, well, once again, uh, you don't want to have to pay any more, especially in penalties, than you have to. Of course. I mean, the, it's a substantial penalty. It's 50% if you don't take it. So they are serious about getting their money. Um, and that's, you know, just the penalty. That's not including the taxes that you have to pay. So yes, it is important that 
if you wait until April 1st of the year that you turn 72 to take your first RMD, just keep in mind that you'll also have to take your second RMD before December 31st yeah. so that you will actually get the enti- the entire amount that you're supposed to withdraw. Now, that amount... But that all gets taxed in one year. It does. And yes. so you have to be mindful of... Um, possibly looking at going to a separate tax bracket. And I know a lot of you, we talk to you all the time that say, oh, geez, I wasn't thinking about that. That, you know, it's going to be a substantial dollar amount. And that dollar amount goes up every year. Even if your your bucket of money goes down, the percentage that you have to take out goes up every year that you're alive because they want more and more of your dollars. And the thing to remember on the tax side of it is that, let's say you're in a 12% tax bracket, and then you double up on your required minimum distributions, and you take both of them in that year. Well, that could, depending upon your income, what if that pushes you into a 22% tax bracket? Because that's the next step. It's a 10% increase from one to the other. It's a huge jump. And because the required minimum distribution where that is shown on a tax return, that's kind of like last dollars out of, of your finances. So the odds could be that the entirety of your required minimum distribution ends up getting taxed at 22% just because you made a tactical error on your taxes. Folks, it is absolutely imperative that you either have a solid understanding of taxes when it comes time to do this, that your advisor has a solid understanding of taxes, or best of all, that both your advisor has a solid understanding and you've got a tax preparer that is really, really sharp and communicates on these types of issues. All right, here's a question one would have. If you have a spouse that's older than you and turning 72 before you and they have an IRA, they have to start taking the RMDs, correct, Uh, when they take out of their own investments. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, everybody's investment is their own. It's a required minimum distribution from your own account. So it's all based upon when you turn that specific age. So there's nothing cumulative or anything about it. So people have to realize that if you have a spouse that has uh, an IRA as well as you, and and if uh, that spouse comes first, uh, you better be ready to calculate the right amount because withdrawing the wrong amount uh, can be uh, very detrimental as well. You got to do this precisely, right, Andy? Yes, I mean it comes from your December thirty first value the year prior, so and that confuses people. It it's, does. They don't. They don't. You don't really think about that, but it's yes. It's always that's what all the companies report to the IRS. They say here was the value of Mr. and Mrs. Smith's individual IRAs on December thirty first, two thousand and twenty one. Exactly. So in two thousand twenty two, this is how much you have to. This take is out. how much you have to take out. So it is imperative that you. Um, know what those values are and then you can use the factor and you can find it online or you can get our help whatever you need to do Um, but that it it is important that you pull out the correct amount but that you also have someone looking at it from a tax perspective behind the scenes it's like you are not forced to wait until you're 72 you can take it out when you're 70 or 71 um, and and there's not a required minimum distribution, but you can start taking money out to lower the overall bucket of money, which then is less later on. Absolutely. All right. Uh, lots of rules, Sam. And not realizing the RMD rules differ for IRAs and 401ks. Let's explain that. There are there's so many nuances in this, and this is where people really get confused on it. So IRAs, 401ks, they're both considered to be qualified vehicles. So if you have IRAs, individual retirement accounts, so maybe you started an IRA at some point in your investing career and you've had this forever, or maybe you've retired or changed jobs and you rolled your 401k over to an IRA. If it's an IRA, then you just add up the balances on all of your IRAs, 
that gets divided by the life expectancy factor for your age that comes off of something called the uniform lifetime table and then you withdraw that amount from any of your traditional IRA accounts you can do it cumulatively if you've got five IRAs you only have to take a withdrawal from one of them to represent the total of the required minimum distribution remember if the IRA is a Roth you do not have to take a required distribution but if you have more than one 401k let's say that you've left a couple of jobs or whatever the case might be and you left your 401k behind you never rolled it over then what you have to do is you have to calculate the required minimum distributionally required minimum distribution separately for each one of those 401ks and you have to take the required distribution amount out of each one separately you cannot aggregate the required minimum distribution if the funds are still in a 401k unbelievable now listen to what sam just said he talked about uh, roth 401 or roth iras being exempt from taxes that is but let's uh, talk a little bit now andy about neglecting to take your rmds from a roth 401k people have 401ks yeah. Roths. even more confusing all right so what's <laughs> yeah. that all about now it starts to get a little ridiculous so even though you don't have to take those rmds from your regular outside roth iras that you hold individually you do have to take a required minimum distribution from a roth 401k so the withdrawals from the roth 401k are actually not taxable but you still have to take the required amount each year unless you're still working for that employer. So if you have an old... Another layer of complication. I, yeah, exactly. And so it doesn't make any sense because so it's not if you have an getting... old, If you have an old 401k <laughs> yes. and you're not employed there any longer... Roth 401k. And, it's, and it has Roth monies in it. Yep. Then you have to take a required minimum distribution from the Roth, which makes no sense. No. But if you're still working for that employer... Then you don't. Then you don't have to take a required distribution. So again, folks... You need to have an advisor that is well-versed in tax law or well-versed in tax code, especially the way it pertains to qualified monies, IRAs, 401ks. And you need to have a tax preparer that also understands these concepts, can strategize with your advisor so that you don't get sideways and you don't end up making a wrong calculation because it is, it is scarily easy to do. All right, the final thing is, again, and I don't know if we covered this, what about uh, the special RMD rules if you're still working after the age of 72? Um, there's a special clause there, too. And basically what happens is part of it has to do with ownership of the company. So if, as long as you don't own more than 5% of the company, you usually don't have to take required minimum distribution from your current employer's 401k while you're still employed. So let's say you're, you know, let's say you're still working and you have this 401k with your employer and you hit 72. You don't have to take money out of that one. However, you do need to take your required minimum distributions from previous employers 401ks and from your traditional IRAs even if you're still working. So again, that adds another layer of complexity to this. <laughs> we can talk about it when you come in for your retirement lifestyle review, um, but I believe that probably the the required withdrawals from 401ks versus IRAs versus Roth versus you're working versus you're not working, that's probably, Chuck, one of the most confusing multi-layered and convoluted areas of tax ramifications that there are and friends you are absolutely forgiven uh, and it's understood for you being confused on them because it is confusing absolutely well to assuage all the fears of confusion sam has an offer for you 
Yeah, the offer is really, it's called a retirement lifestyle review. That's the title of it. But if, folks, it's a chat. It's a conversation. Uh, we live here where you live. We live and work and eat and play and do all of those sorts of things in the exact same places that you do. We know and understand the Fox Valley. We've been doing business in this area with a, a hardcore focus on retirement for over two decades now. We understand you. We understand your lifestyles. Let's talk about how you want to retire, where you want to retire, and what that looks like. Visit our Appleton office, visit our Green Bay office. We're somewhere close enough for you to come in for an hour chat. And let's get you headed in the right direction so that you have the retirement and the retirement lifestyle that you've dreamed about and that you deserve. Absolutely. And you know that they are independent. Uh, they have uh, fiduciary standards where you come first. They've got your best interest in mind in retirement. And we're talking at Dual Financial Strategies about Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel at 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. And again, as uh, Sam said, anywhere in the Fox Valley that you're listening to us, remember that you'll get that no cost, no obligation, sit down with them uh, so that you can get your own retirement lifestyle review because the just like this show is called it's called your retirement it's individually uh, connected to you and individually constructed for you 866-203-7486 pick up the phone right now no cost no obligation get on the appointment list of sam andy and luke at dual financial strategies well it's been a fast moving show what's coming up in the next segment well what most of the listeners stay tuned for and that's for the question and answer thing so you've got questions we've got some answers it's coming up next right here on your retirement your retirement continuing chuck Caton along with sam doolin and andy schooler this week uh, here for Dual Financial Strategies. And again, it's 866-203-7486. That's the phone number. No cost, no obligation. And at no cost, no obligation, they'll be able to answer some questions as well. All uh, right, uh, all set to go, uh, both Sam and Andy? You bet. All right, we're going to go in deference to uh, Elton John. We'll go to Daniel in Appleton. Uh, who says, I'm a nerd, call me one, but I've always had fun researching and buying and selling stocks as a hobby. But my wife isn't so thrilled about it right now uh, as we get into retirement, which is only a couple of years away, and especially, I imagine, uh, Sam, with the volatility in the market. So uh, Daniel wants to know if you've got any advice on a way to uh, come to some middle ground. Maybe you want to play marriage counselor here between <laughs> he and his wife about the philosophical nature of playing the market in this environment. Near retirement. Oh, yeah, I don't know that we have to have a marriage counselor on this one. <laughs> Basically, Daniel, what you have to do uh, is you just have to, obviously you're having this conversation with your wife, but you have to reach a middle ground by differentiating between what is your hobby account and what is your hardcore retirement account. I'm not thrilled about you researching and then buying and selling stocks uh, as a part of your lifetime uh, retirement lifestyle needs uh, you could absolutely find yourself in a bad way really really quick um, but if you can differentiate and you can set aside a given amount of money and say this is my play account for want of better words we have a lot of people that do this we have a lot of people daniel you're not alone a lot of investors like doing what you're doing um, you just have to do it like anything else 
they always say, you know, if you're going to go gambling, if you're going to take a trip out to Vegas, you have to budget exactly how much can you afford to lose. And you do not under any circumstances take any more money with you than that, nor do you take your ATM card so that you can access more. It's no different with what you're doing. I don't know if you're good, bad, or indifferent at buying and selling and selecting stocks, but you have to be prepared to lose every penny that you put into that. So how much money can you afford to lose? Can you afford to lose $5,000? Can you afford to lose $100? Can you afford to lose $100,000? Determine the amount that you could absolutely afford to lose, write it off of your balance sheet from day one, and then you and your wife can agree upon what is the appropriate number. All right, let's go to Green Bay now. Barbara is there for you, uh, Andy, and uh, she wants to know I'm retiring from the federal government in 2023, and my husband's retiring at the same time. Now, our savings are comprised of a thrift savings plan, a 403b 401k we've also shared money outside the workplace savings at a roth retirement account taxable investment accounts and taxable mutual funds so who should i consult to, to ensure my drawdown strategy is optimized to minimize taxes this is something we talked about early in the show it is something that we talk about earlier in the show. Um, it's something that we talk about all the time within our office. So as far as who you should consult with, um, I would interview a number of people, but make sure that when you are talking to people that you are asking them questions like, are you a fiduciary? What is your knowledge base on taxes? How do you look at you know putting together a plan in retirement for people that takes into account inflation as well as taxation as well as income? Um, these are all aspects of retirement. I mean, you know, those those questions of how much is your lifestyle going to cost you in retirement? Most people do not take a pay cut when they go into retirement and they don't pay less in taxes. You live the lifestyle that you enjoy living. Most people don't change that at all. So just be mindful that um, whoever you work with needs to be a fit for you um, and and you a fit for them as well. So just make sure that when you are out interviewing different advisors that you are being mindful of the fact that um, there's some tough questions that you need to ask and you need to make sure that they are working for you specifically not for a company first because if the company is paying them first then their loyalty is to that company or they are limited as to what that company is going to allow them to utilize as far as tools are concerned so just be careful of that Absolutely. And remember uh, that uh, fiduciary standards reign with dual financial strategies. 866-203-7486 is that number. Let's go to Dick in Howard now, who's 56 years of age, plans to work for another 10 years, Sam. So he says, I've got 18500 in a simple uh, IRA with a financial planner. This amount was rolled over uh, from a previous employer, and my current employer offers a 457 deferred comp plan in addition to a pension plan. So I'd like uh, the pre-tax advantages of either the traditional IRA or a 457 plan, and I'd like to uh, have these funds uh, supplement my pension. So what choice would help me do that? Well, if you're talking about you know, pre, you know, pre-retirement type of money going in there, you're typically talking about some type of an IRA. Um, if you're going to work another 10 years, the one thing, Dick, that I've, I would think you probably should look at is maybe some consolidation. Uh, is there a way that you can consolidate some of these things together? And remember that if you're in a 457 deferred comp plan at work, that's still an IRA. It's, it's just a different word for 401k. It's a different word for an IRA. All of these things like 401ks, IRAs, 
457 plans, 403B plans, um, TSP plans, all of these different things that you see, they all allow for the same thing, which is for you to put money into them pre-tax and then for that money to grow tax deferred. And then at some point you are either required to take that out or you will take it out to spend it and then it's taxed then. So what choice would help you do that? Probably the most simple and straightforward one would be consolidating as much you can into your IRA somewhere um, and then funding into your 457 plan. Uh, if you are, if there's any sort of, if it's a deferred comp plan, there, there may not be any sort of a match there, but always go to the plan or the account first that will provide you with a match, some type of free money. Uh, pass that funding into your own individual retirement accounts should give you what you're trying to achieve. Our final question comes from Brett in Denmark. And Andy, he says, I was terminated by my employer. The paperwork they sent me said a 10% penalty for an early 401k withdrawal would be waived for payments made after separation of service if you turn 55 during that year. So do I need to roll the 401k over into an IRA first and then do the payments to avoid that penalty? Well, if you are planning on um, getting another job, then you could roll it over to an IRA and not take money out of it. Because if you take money out of it and you've rolled it to an IRA and you're under 59 and a half, that is going to create penalties. If, however, you leave it with that existing employer and you've now are terminated from that employer, you can take withdrawals out without the 10% penalty for being under 59 and a half, but then you have no control over that money. It's left with whatever that company does for investments and otherwise. So y yes, you have some options to take money out of it without a penalty. You still have to pay taxes on any money that you do that. But if you're going to go and get another job, then you may be better off going and getting the other job and rolling it over to an IRA that you have complete control over and you can take it where you want to. It's just a rollover at that point. So, um, but you have complete control of your options at that point in time and you can choose where it goes and what you do with it. All right, really, yeah. Yeah, and it really depends upon what do you need the money for? It's it's like, right. do, do you need the money for some type of living expenses or yes. something right now? To bridge then, a gap. Or to bridge a gap, then yep. yes, leave it in the 401k so that you can access it because it's it's a it's a weird rule. It makes no sense whatsoever. Typical government. But if you are going to withdraw it, the bottom line is if you need to withdraw that money between age 55 and age 59 and a half, do not roll it to the IRA Correct. if you're going to need it because you just waived all of the benefits of that. So again, that's where a visit comes in. That's where sitting down and talking about it comes in because as we said earlier in the show, if it has the word IRA, 401k, 403b, 457, TSP, any of those types of names or numbers or acronyms uh, associated with it, it's going to be convoluted and complex, and you're much better off working with someone who fully understands the way that those plans work. Absolutely, and that's why they should be working with you, right, Sam? Yeah, because there aren't any do-overs, Chuck. I mean, you don't you don't get to say, "Oh, oops, I didn't know that." That doesn't work. You know, if you if you roll that money, for instance, out of that 401k into an IRA, and then you realize that you need to take money, and then you take it out of the IRA, well, you're going to get penalized on that. And it doesn't work to step in and say, oh, I've, I didn't realize that. I thought just because I was passing, you know, there is no excuse for it, right? So 
you don't get a second chance on any of these things. You have to do it right to begin with. Um, and you have to make sure that it's within the parameters of what you need and within the parameters of what you're allowed to do, or you'll just end up with a rat's nest. Absolutely. And that uh, rat's nest is something you don't want. So give no. uh, uh, Sam, Andy, and Luke a call at Dual Financial Strategies at 866-203-7486. Now, remember that Sam has penned a book called Purpose Determines Placement. It's in its second printing. And so when you sit down and talk to them uh, about your retirement, because it is all independently for you and custom to you, uh, he will grace you with a copy of that book because it's a no-cost, no-obligation chance to get a, a good handle on your retirement. Uh, 866-203-7486 is the number. Uh, they'll give you that retirement lifestyle review. They want to sit down, assess your situation, and uh, even if you're working with a financial planner right now or a retirement planner and you're looking for a second opinion, they are at your service here at Dual Financial Strategies once again because it is your retirement. From Green Bay to Appleton and anywhere in the Fox Valley, it's 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. Make that phone call. Don't procrastinate. Uh, visit with the, the tremendous people who uh, have your best interest in mind as fiduciaries in dual financial strategies. Well, Sam, it's been a great uh, show, and I know you've got uh, some final thoughts. Yeah, great show, great weekend, great questions from the listeners. We appreciate all of you listening in. Give us a call, folks. Come in and sit down and chat, and let's get you headed in the right direction. Uh, I know times are scary. I know times are tough right now, uh, and it almost feels like you're kind of directionless, but let's get you in the right direction so that you don't have to have these concerns about your retirement. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.